0: Welcome to Your Torah, a 36-week journey into the world of the 63 books of the Mishnah, 18 minutes at a time. A project of Jofa UK, designed as a special invitation to engage in Torah and make it yours. This week's episode of Your Torah has been dedicated by Maharat Rachel Cole Feingold, in memory of her paternal grandfather Harav Avraham Natan Hakohein Cole, whose life and teachings remain an ongoing inspiration to her.
1: My name is Maharat Rachel Cole-Feingold, and I am speaking to you from Montreal, Quebec, in Canada, where I serve as a member of the clergy of Congregation Sha'ar Hashamayim. Before we get to studying the Tractate of Bikurim, a brief story. I got hooked on studying Mishnah when I was in my final year as an undergraduate at Boston University. The Hillel rabbi at the time brought me into his office and showed me the worldwide schedule of what's called Mishnah Yomi, daily Mishnah study, and encouraged me to start it. If I would study two Mishnayot a day, he showed me, I could finish learning all of Mishnah in about six and a half years. That sounded like a big commitment, and to be honest, it was a little intimidating. But two a day, I thought, I could do that, or at least I could try. So I started, and sure enough, six and a half years later, I made my siyum on the entire Shishasidre Mishnah, the six orders of the Mishnah. During those years, through living in four different states in the U.S., I carried a pocket-sized Mishnah wherever I went and studied it on subway trains and in airports, in doctors' waiting rooms, or at night before bed. Years later, I now own my paternal grandfather's old set of Mishnayot, which he used during his many years as a lifelong learner and teacher of Torah. I love seeing his notes in the margins from time to time. It reminds me that these texts have been passed on from generation to generation for so many centuries. It's pretty incredible that we are now learning Mishnah over podcast all around the world, something that my grandfather and his grandfather before him would have never imagined. I dedicate this podcast to my grandfather's memory, HaRav Avraham Natan ben Sender Chaim HaKohen. So here we go. Masechet Bikurim, the tractate of the first fruits. After plowing and preparing a field, planting, weeding, praying for rain, pruning, and finally harvesting, when that first olive or grape cluster finally grows, imagine how excited the farmer must be. The Torah commands that the very first fruit that grows should not be eaten by that farmer. Rather, she should use all the excitement and gratitude that the first fruit brings and offer it to God. Well, actually, the farmer would bring the fruit to the Kohen in Yerushalayim, and it was there that she would recite a special prayer of thanks and appreciation to God on the occasion of harvesting the first fruit of the crop. The word bikurim comes from the same root as the word Bechor, or bechora which means a firstborn. But instead of an eldest child, or a firstborn of an animal, this is the firstborn fruit, so to speak, of a group of trees, or stalks, or vines. The Bikurim were only brought in the land of Israel, and only of the fruits of the Shivat Haminim, the seven species that are named in the Torah as special to the land of Israel. This means not apples or oranges, but rather fruits like pomegranates, dates, Figs and grapes, wheat and barley required a farmer to set aside Bikurim. The first fruits of each crop were brought to Jerusalem, beginning on the holiday of Shavuot, which is also called Chag Habikurim, the holiday of the first fruits. They could continue to be brought for a few months after that, but Shavuot was the earliest time of the harvest and the first time the ritual of Bikurim could be done, so this mitzvah is associated with that holiday. As with many of the mitzvot that we do, there was a specific formula for the farmer to recite upon bringing the Bikurim. This is called Mikra Bikurim, and it is a declaration that is full of thanks to God for all the good that has allowed the farmer to reach this exciting moment of harvesting her crop. So before we jump into the Mishnah itself, it is worthwhile to spend a few moments looking at the biblical source for the Bikurim. Parashat Ki Tavo, in the book of Devarim, Deuteronomy chapter 26, begins with this Mikra this script that a farmer would say. Well, first, the verses explain the context. Vehaya Ki Tavo El Ha'aretz, the beginning of chapter 26, when you enter the land that the Lord your God is giving you as a heritage, and you possess it, and you settle in it. And then going on to verse 2, you shall take some of every first fruit of the soil, which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, put it in a basket, and go to the place where the Lord your God will choose to establish his name. Well, that's Jerusalem. And then the next couple of verses explain that the farmer should take this to the Kohen, the priest, and the Kohen takes the basket and puts it down in front of the altar, the Mizbeach, in the temple. I'm picking up now in verse 5 of chapter 26. Marta you, you the farmer, shall then recite as follows before the Lord your God Arami oved Avi, my father was a wandering Aramean, Vayered Mitzreima, he went down to Egypt, Bayagasham sham with meagre numbers, and sojourned there Bahisham Ligoy Varav, but there he became a great and very populous nation. The verses then go on to describe that we were enslaved in Egypt, that we cried out to God, that God freed us from Egypt with signs and miracles, and brought us here to the land of milk and honey, where I, the farmer says, now bring these first fruits. So this is interesting. The declaration that the farmer recites might sound familiar to you. It begins, Arami oved avi my father was a wandering Aramean. Where have we heard this before? Oh yes, of course, the Passover Haggadah. Arami oved avi, you might ask, what is this doing in the Haggadah if it's about the Bikurim, the first fruits? Actually, the Haggadah contains many different verses from the Torah, which contribute to its goal of telling the story of the Exodus from Egypt. This passage begins with the story of the Exodus, so it actually fits right into the Haggadah. But the better question is, what is Passover doing here? If I am a farmer in the land of Israel, bringing my first fruits to Jerusalem, what has that got to do with Egypt? This is a moment of narrative or storytelling. This farmer in the land of Israel is meant to reflect on her own story on the process that brought her to this day where she is holding her basket of Bikurim, her first fruits. She could theoretically begin that story at any point, maybe by talking about the process of planting and caring for her own field and finally bringing these fruits. Or maybe she could begin by acknowledging the generation before her when perhaps her own parents acquired that particular field. But no, she begins her story with the story of the Jewish people. And not just from when the Jews got into Israel, but rather from the moment when they left Egypt and made their way toward the Promised Land. It's as if she is appreciating everything that had to happen in history ever since we got out of Egypt in order for her to end up where she is today, standing in Jerusalem, bringing Bikurim. What an incredible way to model gratitude and appreciation. Think right now, for just a moment, think about something that you care about, maybe something that you own, or some wonderful event in your life, and then think about all the things that had to happen just so for you to benefit from that thing or event. That's gratitude, as modeled by the farmer bringing the first fruits. Now let's move on to the tractate itself. Masechet Bikurim contains four chapters. Chapter 1 gives us the basics, who brings Bikurim, of which fruits, and when to bring the first fruits, what to do if you designated your first fruits but then they got spoiled or ruined in some way, and some of the details of who owns the tree itself. Chapter 2 gives us details about the laws of the Bikurim once they have been designated as such. They can only be eaten by the Kohanim, and only in Jerusalem. Toward the end of this chapter, we read some laws that relate to agriculture that actually have nothing to do with Bikurim in particular. But the literary structure of these Mishnayot are similar to the ones beforehand, and therefore they are included here. This is a great reminder that the Mishnah was the very first bit of our oral law that was written down. Mishnayot were originally not printed, but were oral teachings that were memorized and then recited or taught. Therefore, the Mishnayot are often like mnemonic devices, structured in such a way that make them easier to remember and then to pass on to others. Even after the Mishnah was codified and written down, most people didn't own books and still had to memorize quite a lot. Even today, in many yeshivot, the memorization of Mishnah is emphasized. So, if a Mishnah had a similar structure to another Mishnah, it would be taught or recorded back-to-back to to make it easier to remember, even if it wasn't exactly on topic. And that's what happens at the end of chapter 2. Chapter 3, The Logistics of Bikurim. How did this work? How were the first fruits designated and brought to Jerusalem? We will address this in more detail in a moment, but first, the final chapter, chapter 4. Chapter 4 has nothing to do with the topic of Bikurim, and it is debated among the commentaries whether or not it is even part of this tractate. I make mention of it briefly here because in the Kahati publication of the Mishnah, which is one of the most popular and scholarly printings in both English and Hebrew, and the version that I am using and my grandfather used, this chapter is included. This brief chapter deals with the halachic category of what's known in Hebrew as andragenos, in English, a hermaphrodite. This is someone who has the reproductive organs of both a man and a woman. This might sound unusual, but it is biologically possible. This is a fascinating and important conversation, which we don't have time for here, But what's interesting is that this reminds us once again that the Mishnah was an attempt to record as much as possible of the oral Torah, so that nothing would be lost and it would all get transmitted. This small chapter was inserted here, likely because the editor of the Mishnah just wanted to make sure it got included somewhere. Let's now go back to chapter 3 of our tractate. This chapter describes just how the process of bringing the Bikurim worked. During the beginning of the growing season, a farmer would have to keep a close watch over the crops in order to notice the very first fruit of each crop that began to grow. She would then tie a string around the branch to remember which fruit that was, and when it was ready to be picked, she would bring it to Jerusalem. The Mishnah describes how these farmers would form a beautiful and festive procession from wherever they lived all the way to Jerusalem. If they lived close by, they would bring fresh fruits, like grapes. If they lived far away, they would bring these fruits dried, like raisins. They would carry these fruits in beautifully decorated baskets, while horns and flutes played music to celebrate the arrival of the Bikurim into the city of Jerusalem. The farmers would hold their baskets of fruit on the shoulders, would walk to the Temple Mount And just as described in the Torah verses we read at the beginning, the farmer would recite the passage of Arami Oved Avi, giving thanks for a successful harvest. Imagine the excitement, the pomp and ceremony of this moment, and the way that the community as a whole was included in the celebration of these individual farmers. As I read these Mishnayot, I get a very vivid picture of what it might have been like during temple times. After this detailed description, let's read together chapter 3, Mishnah number 8. Ha'ashirim, the wealthy people, mevi'im bikurehem biklatot shel kesef v'shel zahav. The wealthy people would bring their bikurim in baskets of silver and of gold. Ve'ha'ani'im, poor people, mevi'im otam b'salei netzareim shel arava klufa, Poor people would bring theirs in reed baskets of woven willow stems. hasalim the Habikurim, Nitanim La Kohanim. Both the baskets and the bikurim were given to the priests. This Mishnah describes on a very practical level what the baskets looked like and how they differed from rich to poor. This may sound negative to describe the fact that some people could make a fancy basket while others only used a very plain one. But actually, I love this Mishnah because I feel it contains a very important lesson which applies not only to the ritual of Bikurim, but to so many Jewish rituals in our own modern lives. When we have a Jewish ritual or a mitzvah that we are excited to perform, we try to do it in a beautiful and dignified manner. This is called Hidur Mitzvah, the beautification of a mitzvah. Think about the way we use not just any ritual item, but a silver kiddush cup or an artistic challah cover, a fancy seder plate, or the very best lulav and etrog we can find. However, this can make Jewish life become pretty expensive. And what if you are not someone who can afford a silver kiddush cup or a gold-plated menorah? Does that mean your mitzvah is any less beautiful? This amazing mishnah, reminds us that Judaism is for everyone. No matter how much money we have, we can do something special to enhance our Jewish rituals. Those who could afford a gold or silver basket for their bikurim could and should use that. However, even the poorest people could beautify the ritual with simple woven willow stems. And all of these baskets, and the fruit inside of them, were all equally laid out before God by the Kohanim. This is a reminder that Judaism is an equal opportunity religion, and it's up to us to keep it that way. Nobody should ever be made to feel less than just because they don't have the fanciest Jewish accessories in their home or they can't throw an expensive bat mitzvah party. Everyone participates according to their ability and every person is part of the Jewish community. It's been wonderful learning with all of you today. As we complete this tractate of Bikurim, we complete the order of Zeraim, the first of the six orders of the Mishnah. In celebration, I say on behalf of all of us, Hadran alach seder May we return to our Torah learning again and again. Mazel Tov.
0: This episode of Your Torah is brought to you by Jofa UK, in collaboration with women from around the world who we'll all share a passion for Torah study. If you are enjoying your Torah, consider sponsoring an episode. Find out more by visiting ukjova.org. Join the conversation on social media using the hashtag YourTorah.